Welcome to Ill-Equipped History, where two best friends talk about history, even though we're not equipped to do so. I'm Morgan, your host for this evening, joined by my beautiful co-host, Emily. Hey, y'all. How are you doing? I'm well. <laughs> I'm still hobbling a little bit, but you know what? I'm not zoom zooming around on my scooter anymore, so I guess that's improvement, even though it's not near as much fun. I was about to say, like, zoom zooming on your scooter sounds... Listen, I was fast as fuck, boy. I nearly flipped it a couple times. <laughs> I should not be less unattended. It had a basket and everything. Oh, the whole scooter's amazing. purple. It's beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. I know. I love that for you. Thank y'all. And how are you? I'm hanging in there. Um... You know, I'm. I still got this cough. Uh, my chest isn't doing super great right now. Um, so I'm gonna try to get through this episode as best I can with minimal coughing. I'm surprised I was able to laugh just now without completely collapsing in a coughing fit. So I'm very proud of you and your lungs. I've had four cough drops already, and I have an entire like hundred count bag next to me. Um, that's how you do it. I've got my my cough syrup. I've got my respiratory tea that I'm drinking. (laughs) It's literally says breathe deep for respiration health tea. (laughs) You can't breathe in the tea. (laughs) Emily's just going to make me choke on my tea. So I won't even have to worry about my lungs. That's I'll why just, you shouldn't breathe it in. I'll just drown <laughs> on my tea. Um, oh, so I apologize. It's okay. I was going to say, I'm sorry if I sound like, yeah. I don't, I don't know what I sound like. Like I yeah. swallowed like four frogs. And listen, if my microphone in this one and the, the last episode doesn't sound the best listen i just came in here one day and my kids were messing around with it there are no settings on this microphone so i really think they very well could have broken it so if i don't sound perfect just know that i am in the market for a new microphone (laughs) sorry about that things come out of pocket we're not sponsored or anything so things take a minute (laughs) they really do and my kid's school is expensive, so. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. we've got a nice little, not night. Nice, well, it's kind of hard to explain. I wanted to do something this week that wasn't, like, completely depressing. Um, like, my last subject and probably my next after this <laughs> subject. Because um, it seems like the pattern is that Emily covers, like, the good time small town stuff. Yes. And it's great. It's so fun to listen to. You really get to learn about these cool things. And then my episodes are agony and sadness <laughs> and depression yes. and death and horribleness. <laughs> and Which is so funny because out of the two of us, I feel like you are like the bright sunshine on a cloudy day of the two of us. And I get a little hungry, and I'm going to rip someone's head off. (laughs) I don't understand how this happened. (laughs) I don't either. I don't either. But thank you for that. I appreciate it. You are the sunshine in my life, Morgan. (laughs) You're the clouds to my sunshine. Just kidding. (laughs) Someone's got to be. All right, so... Today, um, like I said, I wanted to kind of break away, especially from World War II and some of my more depressing episodes. So today we're talking about, drum roll, it's somewhere we both have been, Chichen Itza. Yes, I have been to Chichen Itza. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I thought it would be fun to talk about an ancient city and, you know, it's still not like... The happiest episode because we're talk we're going to be talking about the ancient Maya, and they had important cultural practices that are not seen as acceptable in today's polite society. 
they would be frowned upon today. Yeah. But so, it was a totally different life back then. It, it was. And, you know, they had their culture. They had their religion, um, which was very important to them. And it's good that we study it and talk about it. Do you want to get started into this skit? Yeah. Okay. The year is 1904. Edward Herbert Thompson is at Cenote Sagrado, or the Sacred Cenote, north of Chichen Itza in the Yucatan, Mexico. Laborers hard at work are pulling bucket after bucket of water and sediment from the bottom of the cenote. Suddenly, a worker finds something. Hey boss, I found something. It looks shiny. Thompson runs over to examine the artifact. Good heavens. This is a gold earring. Amazing. Look at the detail. Another worker calls out. I found something over here too. I think it was a jar at one point. Amazing. It's remarkably preserved. Look at these etchings. I can't wait to analyze the clay used. And look here. There's a wooden tool. Wow, this cenote is full of wonders. The workers go into overdrive. Revitalized at the amazing discoveries. It isn't long until... Mr. Thompson, uh, I think you should have a look at this. What is it? My god, it's a shin bone. And here, a skull. And another. Look at this ribcage. It looks like it was torn open. And this skull was crushed. It looks like these were sacrifices. I'd heard the legends, but to see the evidence of actual human sacrifice... Thompson would continue to excavate Cenote Sagrado for six more years, finding more evidence of offerings and sacrifices to the ancient Mayan gods. This is the story of Chichen Itza. I loved going here. And mm -hmm. I've actually, I think I've been twice. That's awesome. I was like 10 and 13. So, I mean, I don't remember too much of it. Mm -hmm. I do remember wanting to walk up the steps. Yeah. But it it baffled me as a kid to, and I'm sure you're going to get into this, to, I couldn't wrap my brain around the fact that this was lost in a jungle? Well, it this wasn't, whole... it was never lost. Like, people always knew it was there, but it did get consumed by the jungle and did have to be right. re-excavated. And there are, like, thousands of acres of undiscovered Mayan temples that that were swallowed up by the jungle that mm -hmm. you have no idea they're there. You just think it's a little mountain. No, it's, and it's a pyramid. And when you excavate them, you're like, oh my god, it's a whole ass pyramid. Yeah. It's insane. I I don't think... I mean, I definitely... I still, it's hard to wrap my brain around, but the amount of land that was covered by like these ancient mesoamerican civilizations not just the mayans but the inca and the aztecs and the toltecs and the olmecs like all of these civilizations they covered so much land they were vast societies and i'll get into like the populations and stuff a little bit more um okay but i mean like me and you and our like our our date nights watching our documentaries like they they're uncovering you know, mind civilizations. And like, we've only yeah. barely scratched the surface. Oh, it's just crazy to think about because they use that, they use the LIDAR technology now. Mm -hmm. And do you remember watching that one where they're like, well, that's a, that's a little town and that's a little town and that's a little town. And it's just scattered Yeah, throughout the entire area. Yeah. And maybe, maybe a 16th of it they knew about. If even that, I mean, even it's, it's really, like, every, almost everything that what did exist at that time has been swallowed up by the jungle. I guess it's really mind-boggling. Like, I, I can't even, like, put it into words just how vast these civilizations were. And then they were just abandoned, which we'll also get into a little bit. But that's why, like, they've been swallowed by the jungle, because just very quickly. Like, they weren't around for, they were around for a long time, but not that long of a time. And then they, the people left. So, but I also went to Chichen Itza, I think it was like 2015, um, with my family and with my two sisters. And unfortunately, we only got to spend like an hour and 40 minutes there because the drive is so long from where yeah. we reported to the site and then back. But it was 
it was amazing. Like, I wish we could have spent more time there and got to see like most of the actual sites, but I'll be talking about some of those sites. So you ready for me to jump in? Yes. Okay. So actually I found the, I I will be saying Chichen Itza because it's very easy for my Americanized tongue to say, but the correct pronunciation is Chichen Itza. Because um, uh, there's emphasis on the, the last two syllables of each word. Chichen, Chichen Itza. Itza. Yeah. Chichen Itza. Okay. But I, I will be saying Chichen Itza because it is easier for me to say, but I wanted to acknowledge the correct pronunciation. Um, so to talk about Chichen Itza and its significance, we need to talk about who built it. And they are the Maya. And that's how you refer to the collective peoples, not the Mayans. Mayan is more of an adjective. You refer to the collective people as the Maya. So who were the Maya? They were indigenous Mesoamericans that occupied Mexico and Central America. Like think Belize, Honduras, those areas. Um, They were an an advanced society and were one of the greatest civilizations in the Western Hemisphere. They had developed agriculture by around 1500 BCE, um, built amazing structures and cities. They had metalworking. They had their own writing system using hieroglyphs. They were also very advanced in science and mathematics. Uh, They invented the concept of zero. They had revolutionary understanding of astronomy and the movement of the earth that was unmatched for the time. Um, they made paper out of trees and had books. What? Like, people th- talk about the Egyptians having paper, but the Maya also had paper that they made out of trees. I feel like people look over the Maya more. Like, they don't... Everyone thinks of... If you say pyramid, you automatically... Most people automatically think of the Egyptians. and Same with hieroglyphs. And hieroglyphs and multiple that's actually my paranormal's coming out but that's actually (laughs) one of the arguments that like well aliens definitely had to i'm not saying i believe this i'm just saying a theory i've heard um that aliens had to have taught them how to build pyramids or why would all of these civilizations in different areas of the world build pyramids at the same time Again, I did not say I believe it, but... No, it's okay. And I have seen that online before, and I saw a really funny response um, that made me laugh. And it was, maybe these people figured out that's the best way to stack rocks on top of each other and have them not fall down for a long time. (laughs) Just human logic. Honestly, sometimes I feel like we lack it. Uh, so around 200 CE, which I think we mentioned a little while ago is common era or what we kind of conceptualize as AD, um, is when they started building huge cities in the jungle. What is known as the classical period of the Maya began around 250 CE when the Maya were most prominent. There were more than 40 cities, each with populations between 5,000 and 50,000 people. And it's estimated that the total Mayan population reached 2 million people in Central America. Dear God, 2 million? Yeah, it was a huge civilization. Around 900 CE, so about 650 years later, the classic period Maya civilizations began to decline, abandoning their cities and just heading into the jungle. There's multiple reasons that historians and archaeologists believe that the Maya abandoned their cities, but the most common reasons are drought, deforestation, and war. Mm-hmm. In the year 900 CE, that is when the post-classic period of the Maya began. And that is when the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico became the major civilization center uh, mm-hmm. for the Maya. Um, and that includes Chichen Itza. So the post-classic period lasts until 1519, so that was about 400, no, 600 years. And 1519 is when the Spanish invaded. By this time, most Maya had, like, the civilizations were gone by 1519, and the Maya were back into the jungle. Mostly farmers, they had small villages. 
Mm -hmm. um, but they still knew of these cities. Most Mayan cities contained pyramids and temples made from limestone and were intricately detailed and ornamented, um, which is why they're still, I mean, they're amazing. There's yeah. nothing like them. Were the Mayas the ones, the, the civilizations that build the elevated roads or was that the Inca? I'm not sure. I didn't see anything about elevated roads in okay. my research, but it might be because there's no elevated roads found in Chichen Itza. Um, I only really researched the Maya and in regards to Chichen Itza. So if there's yeah. other elevated roads somewhere else, it could okay. be. So yeah. the Maya are still around today. Um, the mm -hmm. descendants of these ancient Maya still live. There's about 5 million Maya today living in Mexico. And now the Mayan religion, um, it can't really be narrowed specifically, but when ex excavations of Mayan sites began in the 1830s, hieroglyphs began to be deciphered. Scholars learned how to learned how important mathematics and astronomy. I can't talk. I'm so sorry. Scholar, <laughs> scholars learned how important mathematics and astronomy was to the Mayan religion, and actually, their science and mathematics and astronomy is so intertwined with the Mayan religion, it can't be extricated from it. Um, they're right. one in the same. Well, well, their pyramids line up with certain, like, solstices and stuff. I don't want to give too much away, but... Yeah, but, I mean, you're right, yeah. you're right. And, they, and I'll get into it a little bit later, but they're very precise. Like, they knew that what they were doing. They knew their shit. Like, they knew how to measure. They knew how to do math. Again, they invented the number zero. Like, the concept of zero what was not concept? a math... And it's so vital to mathematics. It is. And the Maya invented it. They didn't even have the wheel. And they invented zero. Good for them. <laughs> In addition to, you know, mathematics, they also had multiple calendars. They could track the planet Venus without telescopes, um, and they could accurately predict solar eclipses based on the movement of the Earth, which is, again, phenomenal. They must have spent a shit ton of time looking at the stars. Oh, yeah. Like, I think Chichen Itza has at least two observatories. Um, and it's just, again, it's so vital. This was what they did. It was so important to their culture to track the stars and track other celestial bodies because that was their religion. That was their whole purpose. Well, it's also their livelihood. I mean, if you think about it, you have to know when the when summer's coming. You have to know when winter's coming for crop growth, for um, even down to things like when to breed your livestock right. and when to do literally anything. It was their livelihood and their religion. And I think I saw, I didn't write it down because there's just so much I was trying to keep things edited um but i think i saw something they had three separate calendars and they had different denominations of months mm -hmm. but there was one that was like the rainy and dry season calendar and then there was like a heavenly bodies calendar and then there was another like god calendar right again like i saw that but i didn't dig much deeper into that component and i'm assuming they all worked together mm -hmm. because yeah. they the maya knew that there were 365 days in a year so things were and i'll get into that a little bit too um how did they know that because <laughs> they're real good at their shit <laughs> i would have um, i would have starved to death if i would I, so oblivious that's so funny so the Maya were not just scholarly astronomers and mathematicians. Important to their culture and religion was a practice of human torture and sacrifice. And they waged war on each other. You know, like, they weren't just, like, these, like, nerds looking at the stars. Like, they were brutal warriors. And that, that's important to notice because that is important to their culture, especially in the post-classic period. Um, so where is, I also, I've incorporated your use of titles. Um, oh, so it's, it's so handy, isn't it? It is very handy. It's very good at organizing my thoughts and my notes. Um, so the location of Chichen Itza is also very important. So Chichen Itza is located at the center point of four cenotes. And a cenote mm -hmm. is a pit that formed in the limestone 
in Me like Mexico and Central America, there's all kinds of limestone. And over time, pits emerge in the limestone from the limestone collapsing due to rainfall and stuff. And water will collect in the pits, and that is a cenote. So it's like a well, a natural so limestone well. limestone is a softer rock, mm -hmm. right? Yes. I always wondered why that area had so many cenotes when other parts of the world didn't. And I don't think I ever caught why and I never Googled it. So thank you for telling me that. You're very welcome. So that makes total sense that it was limestone and just softer and would erode over time. And so I, I rewatched um, an Expedition Unknown episode um, that talks about the Maya. Yeah. And yeah. there was an archaeologist on there that was talking about cenotes. And there are thousands across Mexico and Central America. And there, a lot of them are interconnected by tunnels, again, formed by those collapses. And I think she said there was like over 6,000 miles estimated of tunnels connecting all these cenotes. Did you watch episode where they were diving into those tunnels? Did you watch that episode? Um... It was in the first first season. Like, they went into a cenote. Oh, okay. But I don't know if they were diving through the tunnels. Um, oh, but they did go to... Sh they went That's to Shibalba, um, which was the mine underworld. They went to that cenote. So, Fascinating and so, terrifying. Yes. And that's exactly why, like, they were so important. So the cenotes were considered very important for two reasons. One, most Mayan cities are not near any major sources of water. They're not near rivers. They're not near lakes. The cenotes were the main source of water for these civilizations. And many cities, especially Chichen Itza, were built near these cenotes because they were the only source of fresh drinking water. Because they were in the middle of the jungle. Like, it's either rain or that's it. But then yeah. you have the cenotes. And then two, the cenotes were considered sacred and offerings were made to gods in these cenotes. Again, like, when you go in them, they're spooky. And it is very understandable how ancient peoples would be like, this is a godly place. This is a sacred place. This is not yeah. meant for us. So Chichen Itza, again, is in the center point between four cenotes. So in the north is a sacred cenote. Um, a lot of offerings were found there. And another note, the Maya distinguished between holy cenotes that were used for mm -hmm. offerings and sacrifices and drinking water cenotes. So they, they were, they were different. So smart. Yes. I was literally going to ask that, like, didn't people get sick? No, um, because, like, the... They separated. Yes, because, especially in the sacred cenote, um, sacrifices were thrown into the water. That's what I... Yeah. And they probably knew, like, oh, that's not good water to drink, so we're going to have a separate cenote that's just for drinking. Um, so the north is a sacred cenote, or cenote sagrado. I did try to look up as many pronunciations as I could. So I'm sorry if I butcher any. In the east is Kanjium. In the south is Stolok. And in the west is Holtun. And Holtun was actually found not very long ago. In the Expedition Unknown episode, I found the, the main archaeologist. He's also in another documentary I watched. He's like a foremost expert on Maya civilization. His name is Guillermo de Anda. And right before that episode of Expedition Unknown that aired in, like, 2015, they had just mm -hmm. found the Holtun cenote, like, a few years prior. Wow. So it's still very new. And they, they did go diving in that one, I'm pretty sure. Cool. Um, so for many years, archaeologists believe that Chichen Itza was built um, specifically El Castillo, which is the big pyramid in the middle of Chichen Itza. Yeah. was built aligned to celestial bodies. But an archaeologist named Guillermo de Anda, who I just mentioned, and his team discovered it was actually aligned with these four cenotes. Um, so mm -hmm. I watched this documentary from 2019. It featured de Anda and a team called Virtual Wonders, and they specialize, like you were talking about earlier, in, like, LIDAR. They specialize in radar. Um, so they yeah. do, like, the GPR, the ground-penetrating radar and LIDAR to try to do digital excavation of Chichen Itza and other sites. Um, so Deanda discovered that the main period of Chichen Itza, which is El Castillo, which I'll talk about later, is not perfectly centered between the four cenotes. 
it's actually 52 degrees off center, about 16 meters. And what he was saying is that the Maya were expert mathematicians. They wouldn't get this measurement wrong. So why is it slightly off center? He believes, and some other archaeologists believe, that El Castillo was built on top of another cenote. And there's a hidden cenote underneath El Castillo. But no one can get to it right now. So why would it still be off center? Because it's built on top of the cenote. Mm. Like they can't control where the cenote is. But they built the pyramid on top of it. And it just so happens to be between the other four. But it's not perfectly centered. Got it. Okay, okay. Um, And that's why they think. And so the documentary, it's a really cool. um, I think it's called Secrets of the Maya. Um, I found it on, it's on Disney Plus actually. It was done by National Geographic, but they didn't find the cenote, but they did find evidence of like tunnels. They actually found um, like possible passageways to that cenote, but you can't excavate on site um, right. right now. It's protected. You can't do any changes to El Castillo. So the research is pretty limited. I try to look up and see if there's any updates, but I haven't seen any further progress since 2019 when that documentary was released but like it's a very very strong evidence to suggest that there is a cenote underneath el castillo which is really cool that is super cool and this was from the uh, expedition unknown episode that i saw it's season one i think it's called like maya and apocalypse something like that i have it and it'll be in the show notes show notes <laughs> um one major cenote they found in Koba, I think it's Koba, um, is Shibalba. Like I said earlier, mm-hmm. that is considered the Mayan underworld. Um, and it's believed that Chak, who is the god of rain and other gods, lived in these cenotes. And that's why sacrifices and offerings were put in them. Right. Because that's where the gods were. So the history of Chichen Itza. So it's known as the city of the water sorcerers. So Chichen mm-hmm. in Maya or Mayan, is the mouth of the well. That's what mm-hmm. it translates to. And Itza is the name of the group of, like, the Mayan tribe. And they were known right. as water sorcerers. Maybe because of the cenotes. I tried to find out where that name came from, and I couldn't find anything. I love it! But yeah, they're like water witches, water sorcerers. So the Itza, first, which is the group, um, first came to this area around the 400. CE and settled mm-hmm. around the Stalak cenote, which is the one in the south. Um, and I have a map uh, if you scroll down. You can't yeah. see the east and oh, it's yeah, it's um, not in my notes, it's under the skit. But there's a, yeah. a map. Um, it doesn't show the east and west cenotes, but you can see the sacred cenote and the Stolak cenote. So the Stolak cenote is the oldest area of Chichen Itza, and that was the area that was originally settled by the Itza in the 400s. Okay. This area is known as Chichen Viejo, and it's, again, it's the oldest part. Buildings at this time were built in the Puk style, and I looked up what Puk means. It, I think I go into it later, but it's, I think it translates, literally translates to hill, and, but it's also a name for the style. Okay. That was around this time. Um, and that includes the ossuary or El Osario. And I'll talk about all, um, some of these buildings later. The Temple of the Deer, yeah. the, the Caracol Platform, and the Red House. Chichen Itza was officially established around 550 CE. It covers four square miles in the Yucatan, Mexico, and was a major societal center with religious, military, and political significance. And it was also a huge center for commerce in the area. It was okay. also a huge pilgrimage site and it remained a huge pilgrimage site even after the Maya left it. Uh, and it was a major capital of the Mayan empire and it's one of the most famous Mayan cities known. Around this time, there are some other major cities around Central America. Um, so this is before the Maya really settled in the Yucatan. They were still mostly around like Central America, so a little farther south. But the, the Itza had gone up north to settle Chichen Itza. Mm-hmm. So around this time, other major cities around Central America include Tikal, Copan, Caringua, Palenque, and Piedras Negras. 
Um, and they were also major cultural centers that emphasized the arts and sciences. Around 850 CE, Chichen Itza and these other cities were mysteriously abandoned. Eventually, the Maya settled in modern-day Mexico, specifically the Yucatan Peninsula. Um, the Itza people returned to Chichen Itza. So they left and they came back a little right. while later, but they brought new influences. So one of the big... And I, I was trying to find what the difference was. So this is when we're going to talk about the Toltecs. And from what I could find, the Toltecs were a group of Maya, but they mm -hmm. were distinct from the classic Maya. So this is pre this is post-classic time. Okay. So after like the major fall in the post-classic period, the Toltecs were really big because they had a lot of cultural influence of the Maya and right. the Yucatan during this time. So the Toltecs, like I said, were a ruling group and they were from central Mexico. I'm gonna try my best at these pronunciations. I looked them up a few days ago. Um, so there's a notable Toltec ruler. His name was Topiltzin Quetzalcoatl and Quetzalcoatl means feathered serpent. And Quetzalcoatl was a major Mayan god. So he kind of named himself after the god. Okay, that sounds so familiar. It's a, he, the Quetzalcoatl is a major Mayan god, um, okay. one of the big ones. He founded the cult of Quetzalcoatl, and that spread into Mayan culture, and Quetzalcoatl became an important deity, especially in Chichen Itza. Like, he's everywhere in Chichen Itza. Yeah. Um, in the Mayan language, Quetzalcoatl is called Kukulkan. I think Quetzalcoatl might be an Az, more Aztec. Okay. Because Aztecs were right after the Maya, and their influence was right. really big. So uh, initially, in his early days, Quetzalcoatl slash Kukulkan was a vegetation god. More of like god of the harvest, of the rain. Right. But under the Toltec influence, he became a god of the morning and evening star, which I think is Venus. He's very closely, closely associated with Venus. And then Quetzalcoatl changed even more when the Aztecs came about yeah but he's very important and the Toltecs really were big in the human sacrifice so before in the classic period I didn't see a whole lot about human sacrifice but the Toltecs were really into it and it was their influence that spread the idea of human sacrifice in their culture and it's believed that Tolpiltzin who was the ruler guy he brought that practice to Chichen Itza so there. I couldn't really find, like, a lot of things, but they were, he was in, like, the major Toltec center, and then for reasons, he was ousted. And then him and his yeah. followers came to Chichen Itza. Okay. So, Kukulkan slash Quetzalcoatl, his image and symbolism is all over buildings at Chichen Itza that were built during this time. So, we have the Puk building, and I'll, I'll talk about the buildings more a little bit later, but a lot of archaeologists can distinguish... The building types because pre-Toltec don't really have a lot of symbolism of Quetzalcoatl. It's mostly, I think, Chalk, um, okay. who's a god of rain. And then after, I mean, again, Kukulkan, right. Quetzalcoatl is everywhere. So the, Itz, the Itza, when they came back with the Mayan or the Toltec influence, they ruled here for about 100 years. So Chichen Itza was part of an alliance called the Mayapan League, League, sorry, it's hard to say, which included the city's Mayapan in Uxmal. And this was formed around the year 987 CE. So Chichen Itza initially led this group, but eventually disagreements among the leaders led to war, and the Itza were ousted and fled to Guatemala. The Mayapan took over Chichen Itza, and they ruled for about 200 years. And then Uxmal, there was another rebellion with Uxmal and some other cities, and they fought against the Mayapan, and... Chichen Itza was finally abandoned in the 13th century, though it continued to be a site of pilgrimage. So Maya still went there because it was still a sacred right. site, most, mostly due to cenotes, um, but it was never occupied again. Um, okay. And it's also believed, in addition to that, it's also believed that a major drought happened the last 15 years of Chichen Itza's occupation, and the amount of sacrifices skyrocketed because of the drought. And the people were desperate for water. 
So a ton of sacrifices are thought to have occurred during this time because they're trying to appeal to the gods. There's right. also a major loss of trees around the city due to development and agriculture, which likely contributed mm-hmm. to the drought. It's estimated there's a 20 to 30% reduction in rainfall due to deforestation. Like so many trees were wiped out of the jungle, it caused a drought for 15 years. Damn. Damn. And this is why we should leave our trees alone. I know. Stop cutting down the trees. They're important, y'all. <laughs> this is why we learn history to learn from it. Exactly. So yeah. now I'm going to talk about the buildings of Chichen Itza because they are iconic. I mean, Chichen Itza is one of the current wonders of the world. Um, so there's two, like I said, there's two major architectural styles around Chichen Itza. So the first mm-hmm. is from the classic era and it's in the right. punk tradition. And this is between 600 and 900 CE. So we have El Osario, which is tomb of the high priest or the ossuary. So it's a pyramid and observatory. It's built above an enormous cave that was used to deposit offerings like jade, crystals, and shells. All of these were found in the cave. And this is mentioned in a documentary I watched. A lot of people thought that El Osario was built after El Castillo, which is the big main pyramid, because it looks like it. But it was found out that El Osario is older. So El Castillo was built after El Osario. Where is El Or? Where is El Osario? Um, it's also the ossuary. Do you see like where the oh. parking lot is? Yeah. That's okay. The, that's okay. the ossuary or El Osario. So the ossuary is older than El Castillo. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Everything in the south is older is older. This is the original part. And then the northern part is was built in the second occupation of Chichen Itza. And I'll, I'll post a picture of the map to our social media so you can follow along with what we're saying. So I'm going to, I try to look up this pronunciation. I couldn't really find it. It kept thinking I was trying to type something in Arabic and it's not. Um, oh. Akazib, which is the house of the dark writing or the House of the Hidden Writing. Um, and that's very far south. So it's that called... That spooky. It is spooky. It's called this because it's full of glyphs that no one can translate. And there's a bunch of red handprints that no one knows why they're there. That's spooky. Yeah, super spooky. Um, then we have the Caracol platform. And Caracol means snail. So it's called this because it has a circular tower because it's an observatory. Um, so from what I can kind of figure out, so there's a platform that the tower is on, and that is from the Puk era. Okay. But then the tower was built in the, the second era. Okay, so they added on to it. That's what I'm thinking. Like, it was kind of hard to distinguish because they were, it was listed in both eras. So that, and... Mm. When I was looking up the original buildings in the Pook era, it just specifically listed the platform, the Caracol platform. Okay. So again, it's an observatory and it's 75 feet tall. It's Damn. big. Then we have Chichen Chob, uh, which is the red house. Um, and this, it's a, a smaller building. I couldn't really figure out what it was for. But it's, it's very simple compared to the rest of Chichen Itza. It's pretty plain. I think it's like... Um, like maybe a little temple or a dwelling. And then we have El Iglesia, which is the church. Um, this is the oldest building in all of Chichen Itza. Um, and it's intricately detailed temple dedicated to Chak, who again is the god of rain. So the second architectural style is from the early post-classic era between 900 and 1200 CE. And this follows the Toltec Mayan styles. So... I'm going to do my best to say this. Zompantli. So this was a skull rack. It is a skull rack. It's a platform that is slightly sloped out on like down it. And at one point had wooden beams on top of it from which Chichen Itza's enemies' heads were hung. And on top of which sacrifices were performed. Oh no. Yeah. So it's a rectangular structure that is 197 feet long. I, I put long with two O's. Long. <laughs> and 39 feet wide. So it's, it's pretty big. 
and it's covered in boss reliefs of skulls. There's skulls all over this thing. Um, I think it's like three or four rows of skulls. Oh my god. This particular structure at Chichen Itza is called the Platform of the Skulls. Okay. Because of all the skulls. And but there so this is like the platform of the skulls. Even though there are similar platforms found around Mayan ruins. Right. Different Mayan ruins. Um, so there are it's not just skulls. Other carvings on this platform include depictions of the skull rack, human sacrifice, eagles eating human hearts, and skeleton warriors. Oh. Skeleton warriors? Skeleton warriors, yeah. Um, and eagles eating human hearts was also a really big a common depiction I saw um, looking oh. at the different carvings of these buildings. Saying that, the next is the platform of the eagles and jaguars. So there are eagles and jaguars carved into the structure, grasping and devouring human hearts. And this is, I read why it's depicted this way, and it's more of a representation of the warriors. Like, the eagles and jaguars are warriors, and they're eating these human hearts to fight for the gods, is what I saw. Oh, and it also depicts the movement of the sun across the sky and has carvings of Quetzalcoatl on it, too. Uh, then we cool. have the, t- the Temple of Venus. And that was used for ceremonies and dances that has depictions of Venus represented by a knot of years. I tried to see what this knot looked like, but I could not find a clear picture of it. Huh. My brain goes to a Celtic knot, but I know that doesn't make sense because this is not a Celtic area. Right. But that's all I can think of. Then we have the Temple of the Warriors. So this is, this, the Temple of the Warriors contains platforms and a temple that is 40 feet high and 133 feet wide. The central temple depicts engravings of warriors, eagles, and jaguars devouring human hearts. Again, it's like a symbolism thing about them becoming holy. Right. I'm going to do my best to pronounce this. Tlachitanautia. I looked it up and I forgot. Tlachitanutia. <laughs> I did my best. I'm sorry. Um, so this person is a god um, associated with the setting of the sun at dusk, specifically. Um, and also on the Temple of the Warriors, there's a chalk mule. A chalk mule is a, it's kind of a common statue. No one really knows what it's for. But and I couldn't find anything that had to do with the god Chuck. Um, right. It was given this name in like the 1800s. But a chalk mule is a statue that depicts a reclining figure with its right. head facing forward and a bowl on a stomach. So it looks like it's laying down and it's looking okay. at you. Um, if you look up Temple of the Warriors, it might be one of the first things that you see or chalk mule. And it's thought to represent slain warriors carrying offerings and were often associated with sacrificial sites. So it's likely that there were sacrifices performed at the Temple of the Warriors. Um, so the Temple of the Warriors also consists of four other platforms. And on the south and west side of the temple are 200 circular and square columns known as the Temple of the Thousand Columns and contains the tomb of the Chakmul that I just talked about. The Temple of the Thousand Columns... There's not a thousand columns. It's about 200 that they can find. The thousand just symbolizes a great quantity. Right. Uh, so they're circular and square c- columns. The square columns represent Toltec warriors. I cannot find out what the circular columns represent. Um, okay. I, I try to find it. But maybe all of the... Maybe. Maybe, like maybe it depicted a battle of some kind. I'm not sure. Right. Um, all of the columns supported a roof or a frieze, which is like an ornamental band around a building. But it supported some kind of roof or decorative structure at some point. Right. Um, so next, do you have any questions before I move on? No, I'm just fascinated. <laughs> There's so much. So next is the ball court. So there's a ball court at Chichen Itza, and the game is, I'm going to do my best to pronounce this, Tlachli, there's L's where it, my tongue is not used to there being L's, Tlachli, or Poktapok in Mayan. So it is 
a ball game where the players would try to get a 12-pound rubber ball into a stone hoop. Jesus, that's funny. Yeah, but this was considered a sacred game. It was like an act of worship. This ball court is the largest of its kind in the Americas. Wow. Like the all of the Americas. It's the largest one. It's 554 feet long and 231 feet wide. Jesus. That's huge. Yeah. It's not, I don't think it's quite as long or it's not quite as big as a football field, but it's almost. Well, I mean, looking at on the map, just the, the aerial view of El Castillo next to the ball court. The ball court's like three times as long as the El Castillo. Mm-hmm. El Castillo is huge. Yeah, it's huge. And you can see Zampantli right next to the ball court. So that would make sense because yeah. losers of this ball game and sometimes winners were sacrificed. So oh. it kind of makes sense that a sacrificial platform was right next to the ball court. Um, but again, like this was seen as a religious ceremony in a way. It wasn't just a game that you play. Right. Last, but definitely not least, is El Castillo, or the Pyramid of Kukulkan. This is the main pyramid in Chichen Itza. When you Google Chichen Itza, this is what shows up. It's this beautiful stone pyramid. The uh, the base, and I'm, I saw a picture of an excavation. I'm pretty sure the base is completely underground. The base is a platform that is 182 feet wide. And 78 feet tall. And it's underground? Mm-hmm. The pyramid is an additional 79 feet tall. Holy shit. Yeah. Because I, I saw an excavation um, from a few years ago of the site, and they had, like, a tunnel almost, like, coming from El Castillo. And you can see the base in these pictures. And you can see the line, like, because these... Structures are built out of limestone as well. Right. And you can see it, and it just, like, goes on the entire way. It's it's really amazing to see. Insane. So on each of the four sides of the pyramid, there are staircases with 91 steps each, with the final step being accessible in all four signs, sides, totaling 365 steps in the entire pyramid, one for each oh day of the year. Oh, The entire pyramid is a calendar. During the spring and fall equinox, a shadow is cast on the stairs that make it look like Kukulkan is descending the pyramid on the north staircase, which is the main entrance. And I have, I have a picture of it if you scroll it's down. It's so cool. It's so cool. You have to look at it. So if you look at this picture, you see on the left side of the picture, you see the serpent heads emerging on the left. And that represents yeah. Kukulkan. And you see, like, the wavy body ascending the pyramid and as the day goes like the shape moves and it looks like kukulkan is descending from the heavens oh that is so cool it's don't people still gather there every year to see it happen i'm sure i think they do i mean i can't imagine missing that if like you're in the area oh my god because it only happens twice a year yeah oh that's so cool i mean guys it literally looks like a snake going down the side of this pyramid. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll also upload a picture of that to the, our social media so you can see. Um, I can't upload every single picture that I saw because it would be so insane. There'd be so many pictures, but I will link there. I saw, I have one really great source. It's a Chichen Itza website. Um, nice. Like the, the museum, cause it is a museum. It's a historical site. So they have a website um, that has pictures of all the buildings that goes into, the, I got a lot of the history of Chichen Itza from the site. And I think that's like some things I wasn't quite sure about popped up because the entire site is translated from Spanish. And I think a couple of things might've gotten lost in translation. And when I try to follow up on it, it was difficult to find. Um, right. So lastly, the le- the legacy of Chichen Itza, because again, it was abandoned. And by the time the Spanish invaded in the 1500s, no one lived there anymore. But it still remained an important pilgrimage site and cultural site. So excavation of Chichen Itza began in 1841. And it was named a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1988. And UNESCO stands for the United Nations Educational, Scientific, 
educational, scientific, and cultural organization. Um, so cool. they list which are the wonders of the world. So, n- like, people always knew that Chichen Itza was there. But right. it was completely consumed by jungle. People began visiting the site in the 1840s when it started its excavation. And it was slowly, like, documented and photographed and excavated by interested visitors. In 1894, Chichen Itza and the surrounding land was purchased by Edward Herbert Thompson, who we mentioned in our skit, and he excavated the ruins for 30 years. Edward Herbert Thompson excavated the sacred cenote between 1904 and 1910. He found several artifacts, including gold, jade, pottery, and human remains, and study of the remains indicated they had wounds consistent with human sacrifice. Um, And there is controversy surrounding him. He was accused of stealing artifacts... It kind of, it was kind of suspicious. They try to get the artifacts back. He said he didn't steal anything. Yeah. He said she said stuff. Yeah. Um, he did sell artifacts. I saw that he sold them to like museums and universities. He, okay. He could have done some shady dealings. I'm sure. Possibly. I mean, what year was this? Uh, between 1904 and 1910. What are they going to do about it, honestly? I mean, there's, it's just, there. unfortunately, there wasn't really much that could be done. Yeah, they tried. I, there was, like, big efforts to get those artifacts back. Good. Good. But they couldn't find everything. And then, like, yeah. what was actually stolen? Was it stolen by him? Could things have been stolen by his workers? You know. And he wasn't even the only person there. Like, there were other entities that were there. Um, like, right. universities were excavating. It's it's kind of hard to pin it all on one guy when there was a ton of people right. that kept, were coming and going. So, in 1921, following the Mexican Revolution and World War One, the Mexican government allowed the Carnegie Institution a permit to allow archaeological study and research, including the excavation restoration of Chichen Itza, and excavation continues to this day with still more to discover. There's always more to discover. Yeah. I love um, that. I just, it's fascinating that people can spend their entire lives digging up on one site and never run out of things to find. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of, so Guillermo de Anda, he was in two things that I saw, um, he was in the Very Truth of the Maya documentary, and he was in the Expedition Unknown episode, Mayan Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of funny because I watched the documentary first, and then when I watched the Expedition Unknown episode, I was like, oh, I know that guy. <laughs> I just saw him. Um, I but love he, that. he is like the foremost expert on Mayan culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe, I think he said he's a descendant of Maya. Oh, that's wonderful. Or he is Mayan. Um, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Some other alive. I exactly, love that. and just trying to find more about it because you know, like we know a lot about the Maya, but there's still so much we don't know. Right. You know, they had their the the cultures themselves like didn't really keep a lot of records about what they were doing or what was happening at the time. There were some. That's how we know like things that were going on, but st- st- still not great records. Right. And then you know. Archaeologists think that pillaging was done by their own people or like other outsiders, and then the Spanish invaded, and that destroyed a ton of cultural yeah. artifacts and history. Things were rewritten, things were destroyed. So it's very much so a jigsaw puzzle trying to piece together yeah. who the Maya were and what happened to them. I do think it helps a lot that the Maya are. Still around to this day so even though we lost a lot of physical evidence you know we've all played the game of telephone where some things get a little convoluted the further they go down but we do have those word of mouth stories mm-hmm. that are handed down from generation to generation and those even something very simple can clue you into like key pieces it could be like one story that you're like this sounds insane that couldn't have happened but that could have been part of the puzzle piece that you were looking for Mm -hmm. and it's 
really helpful to have those oral stories handed down. Because yeah. some, some places don't have that. And right. we're just going in blind. Right. And I saw um, in one of my sources that a lot of Maya still living today, what they practice, like, I'm talking about religion, like, what they still practice is a blend of their traditional Maya beliefs and Catholicism that was introduced by the Spanish when they came. But, like, they still, they probably know better than almost anyone, like, like what you were saying, like, the oral traditions and the histories of their own people. Yeah. And I, I hope that people are asking them the questions that need to be mm -hmm. asked. I agree. Just going through my sources, again, those, the documentary, um, Very Truth of the Maya, it's less than an hour. It's on Disney Plus if you have that subscription. It's just, it's neat. It goes into a little bit about Chichen Itza, um, but it's more about finding, like, is there a secret, sacred cenote buried underneath El Castillo? But they think, like, it was buried on purpose to prevent people from getting to it. Um, but it's very difficult to get down there. But they find, they're finding evidence that it was intentionally buried so no one could get to it. Don't know why. I'm trying to figure it out. Ooh, mystery. The Expedition Unknown episode Mayan Apocalypse from 2015. Uh, the CheechenEatsa.com, Britannica Encyclopedia. Uh, Wikipedia and UNESCO.org. And I had some information about the excavation and the history and, like, why it became a World Heritage Site. Right. Um, and what qualifies it to be a World Heritage Site. Because I guess there's, like, certain criteria that a site has to meet. And the UNESCO website details. But, yeah, okay. that's that's the, the very Thank brief history of Chichen Itza. You're welcome. It's always fun, um, even if I my brain mixed up with another place. The moment I saw it, I was like, yes, I have been there. It's always nice to learn more about the places that you've already been. Yeah. Because like we said, there's always more things to learn. And it's always nice to have a refresher. I mean, I haven't really thought of any of the facts of Chichen Itza since I was like 13. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to dive back into something that I was fascinated with as a kid. And kind of rediscover it a little bit. Yeah, you get to rediscover your old passions. Yeah. See, I was a history nerd even as a kid, guys. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my brother and I were running around this place looking like, oh my God. <laughs> it's so cool. It's so old. <laughs> it really is. No, like I, so our, we had a tour guide that he was also a descendant of the Maya. And he was telling us, you know, about like on the ride there. Um, he was telling us about, like, the history of Mexico and the history of Chichen Itza. And then he we did, like, an hour tour of just a couple of the ruins. Um, I think mm -hmm. we went, we talked about El Castillo, the ball court. I don't really remember what else. I think he talked about a couple other platforms, but I couldn't. It was, I have an auditory processing, processing disorder, and it was hard to hear him with all the other people. Because surrounding Chichen Itza are vendors, um, people trying to sell you things, and they're just yelling constantly, <laughs> trying to get your attention so you can buy things. Which, I mean, you know, you got to make a living. I bought so much stuff while I was there. When you can't hear very well, <laughs> it's very distracting. And you're like, I'm trying yeah. to listen. But I had a, I went with my sisters. And one of my sisters, who's now an archaeologist, was super excited. And my other sister, who's not an archaeologist, not quite as excited. <laughs> Is that the standard? One sister archaeologist, one not archaeologist. <laughs> Listen, there's two types of people in this world. Either you're, you're an archaeologist or you're not an archaeologist. Or you're not, bitch. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, um, <laughs> so uh, you can find us on Facebook at ill-equipped history podcast group is it a, is a group okay it's a group i i go on there like multiple times a week and i still am like eh. it like Technology exits my brain <laughs> uh 
We also have an Instagram page at ill-equipped history. We have a Gmail. If you have any corrections or ideas you want to send us at ill or <laughs> not at, it is ill-equipped history at gmail.com. <laughs> All one word. Uh, please leave us a review and like and rate. share. Yes, rate it so we can see how well we're doing and how much you love us. Because we are always looking for people who love us and have good things to say. And if you have helpful suggestions on how to make us even better, and you can say it politely, we would love to hear it. (laughs) Be kind. (laughs) Yes. You can give constructive criticism in a kind way. You don't have to be a butthead about it. Yeah. We will we will listen. If you're a butthead about it, we won't listen to you. That's right. We're <laughs> stubborn. We're also very stubborn. So the moment yes. you get an attitude, bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right. uh, Do you have definitely like else you'd like to add. Don't wing boats and don't steal artifacts out of cenotes. And don't do drugs. <laughs> don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> no meth for you, please. <laughs> But you can drink beer if you are of age. Please. (laughs) All right. I'm going to go die now. Thanks. Okay. (laughs) Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.